Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exurgat Deus disipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derunteu ma facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So, I suppose people can mistake this podcast episode for a theological episode, and after a manner it's true, but what this episode is really about, since we just got done covering witchy news for two days straight, what this podcast is actually about is about the practical effects But in order to understand the practical effects, as Catholics, we understand that we must also understand the history. And so the practical effects of rejecting God include rejecting his Ten Commandments. And so we're going to start with the story from Exodus when God revealed the Ten Commandments. Now, I'll be reading this from the Dewey Ram Calendar Bible. And it's, syntax is a little bit different. Because when I was prepping, in the brief moments that I do actually prep for a podcast, usually I find something new. And so, the new thing here, I'm going to extend, so we're going to read from Exodus, the Ten Commandments themselves, and I'm going to extend up and down at least one verse. And the reason for that is because there's something that's not often talked about. And this is tremendously important. Or it is tremendously important. And then we're gonna and then once I once I read that, I'll get into why if if you reject the one true faith you reject all of its second and third order effects. And that causes people who do reject the one true faith to reject those second and third order effects, and that's what creates the dumpster fire that is our planet and the condition of our many civilizations today. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidiaus diaboli estu praesidium. Imperet ilideas supplicas de precamor, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Coriesu sacratissimum miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus e Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ah, podcast note, any errors in this are mine. All of the perfections 
belong to God and his saints. From the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 25, or excuse me, through chapter 20, verse 18, or 19 actually. And Moses went down to the people and told them all. And the Lord spoke all these words. I am the Lord thy God, who brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not make to thyself a graven thing, nor the likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath, nor of those things that are in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not adore them, nor serve them. I am the Lord thy God, mighty, jeal mighty jealous, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, that shall take the name of the Lord his God in vain. Remember that thou keep holy the Sabbath day. Six days shalt thou labor, and shalt do all thy works. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work on it, nor thou, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy beast, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and, uh, and the sea, and all things that are in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Honor thy mother and thy father, that thou mayest be long lived upon the land which the Lord thy God will give thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Neither shalt thou desire his wife, nor his servant, nor his handmaid, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is his. And all the people saw the voices and the flames, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mount smoking, and being terrified and struck with fear, they stood afar off, saying, unto, saying to Moses, Speak thou to us, and we will hear. Let not the Lord speak to us, lest we die. So the thing of importance that's written in the book of Exodus... The thing that popped out and jumped out in front of me, and I could be wrong, but the sequence goes, God told Moses to go down the mountain back to the people, and then God spoke and gave his Ten Commandments. And the people heard, they heard the voices, even if they did not comprehend, they heard the voices and the thundering and the trumpets, and they saw the smoke and the flames, and they were afraid. And then they asked Moses to speak for God. To speak so that the Lord did not speak, lest they died. Now we know the Ten Commandments. We understand them. Even if the language today causes a chuckle among, those who are, among us who are more juvenile. But when you reject God, this is what you're rejecting. This is the very this is one of the core things that you're rejecting. So when an atheist comes out and says that I do not believe in God, I do not believe that he exists. This is the law that God wrote on every man's heart. 
And the words are in there even if the understanding is not, which is precisely what the church is for. Which is precisely why Christ gave the keys to Peter and told the apostles to go out into the whole world preaching to them the gospel, a gospel of repentance, a gospel of conversion, and through repentance and conversion, a gospel of peace. However, it is not the gospel of peace until the repentance. And I think this fact kind of gets missed a whole bunch by people who are trying to rewrite the faith into that lovey-dovey, you know, let's hold hands and sing kumbaya, etc. New church gospel. The gospel is not a gospel of peace until... Until a man or woman repents and believes in the gospel. And through their repentance and their conversion, what seemed like an act of war reveals itself to be the truest act of mercy in all of mankind. In principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. So when an atheist rejects this, he says, no, this gospel that you bring me is a gospel of war. You are asking me to do the things that I cannot do, that I will not do. I will not submit myself to some supposed higher power so that I can be ruled by his laws. Because that's ultimately where the problem lies. The problem lies in the fact that the people who declare themselves to be atheists, the people who are firmly agnostic, the ones who say, well, he could be there or he's not there. Oh, God is a watchmate, a, a clockmaker God. He set the world, he set the universe in motion, and then he took off and walked away and went off to do something else. All of those people are looking for an excuse to not follow the law, the very law that God wrote on every human heart. They're looking for an excuse to be able to interpret God's law in whatever manner or way or shape or form that they want to so that by living according to the perverted law that they have written for themselves, they can somehow be justified by Christ, which is not possible. And what God has done in these latter days, these latter days, has made it obvious that the further away that you get from God, the more heinous, the more despicable, the more corrupt, degraded, and degenerate you become. And as a result of the individual's degeneracy, it spreads like a poison, like an infection to those people around them. At the core of every atheist is someone who is listening to the devil whisper into their ear, you don't have to serve him. Oh, he can be God for whatever, but you don't have to give him any regard. You can still be a good person. You can still abide by the law that God has written in your heart, engraved in your DNA, written, wo written, woven like a tapestry into your very essence. You can still follow those laws, but you have the will to choose how you interpret them. And that's why... People can stand up and shout out and proclaim their in their arrogant pride their fealty to abortion, their fealty to transgenderism, their fealty to the sin to all of the sins that cry out unto heaven for justice. From usury to denying the lab the laborer his wage. To sodomy and most heinously to abortion and pedophilia. Why is it most heinous? Because a laborer who's denied his rage, or who's denied his wages, can strike back in the courts. And if denied in the courts, he can strike back in other ways. The victims of sodomy 
can strike back in other ways. But the unborn child and the child who becomes a victim of a sodomitical lifestyle and sodomitical and, and in this particular case, sodomy, not just including homosexual activity, but all forms of unnatural activity with children. They don't have recompense, not for nearly two decades, typically, sometimes three decades. And very often, the child who is victimized in any of these manners has no recompense whatsoever. And because they have no matter, manner of obtaining their recompense, to the degree that they fail to have, to the defeat, to the degree that they cannot be compensated and consoled, is the degree of of heinousness that the crime actually stands. Did you notice? How the promotion of abortion has come part in parcel in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade with the promotion of pedophilia among the supposedly powerful elites, among the wealthy, among the quote-unquote cultured. And in this particular case, the reason why I put it in quotes is because I mean the bacterial culture rather than an actual belief system. You can't reject God and keep the Ten Commandments. Ultimately, everybody knows it. Ultimately, that's the reason they do it. But there's some other things that are hidden in there. To him who serves me, I will bless, their, I will bless them to the thousandth generation. I mean, that's a promise of blessing them to the tune of right around 20,000 years. To the man, who's, to the man who ser- chooses to serve and love God, he will be blessed, if we're counting generations, to the 20,000th year. Eternally blessed, effectively. At least from a human perspective, it's effectively it's for eternity. In today's society, we've allowed those who reject God to determine the rules of the culture. And they've been going around, peeling apart all of the rules. The first one is you can't speak about God in public. If you speak about God in public, you're committing an act of violence. Well, of course, to to preach the gospel among the unconverted is an act of violence. To preach the gospel to the unrepentant is an act of violence. That's why our Lord simultaneously is the Prince of Peace, but did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Because for those who know, love, and serve God, the gospel is a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of love. It's a gospel of mercy. And for those who hate the Lord, it's a gospel of war. It's a gospel of combat. It's the nature of a paradox versus a contradiction. The contradiction would be, well, how can it be he came not to bring peace but a sword, and how can you talk about this as being the gospel of peace? If you see it as a contradiction rather than a paradox, then you see that these two things cannot coexist and simultaneously be true. But a paradox is different because two seemingly opposite things are inevitably true. From the position of our Lord, and our Lord knew this. 
That's why he taught the way he did. He knew that those who accepted the gospel, those who have repented and believed, would be blessed. They would join him in heaven and be honored among the saints in that wonderful gallery of his artistic creation. And those who rejected him would be cast out into Gehenna. I think the thing that is by far the most dangerous of, of the common trend today is the idea that God loves us unconditionally. Nothing can be more contradictory to the whole of sacred scripture than the idea that God loves us unconditionally. That God would impart his blessings upon us unconditionally. He set up a structure. He put together all of nature in accordance with his will. Where those who do good will be rewarded, maybe not in this life, but at least in the next. At least in the next. At most in the next. And those who do evil will also be rewarded. Although that reward is called punishment. That reward is called perdition. That reward is called hell. And then he proceeded to let us know that by our deeds it would be determined whether or not we were truly acting in love of him. By our deeds it would be determined whether or not we were justified in a reward or a punishment. And all of those punishments, prior to the ones that come after our death, are designed to push us in the direction so that we can know, love, and serve Him. All of the hardship, all of the suffering, in the Anchor Archives of this, of this podcast, I talked about how we are the stone. We are the stone I mean, literally, God says that he created us out of the clay of the earth. We are the stone. And all of those hardships, all of those sufferings are sculpting us, forming us, polishing us, perfecting us into the image of his likeness. And so the suffering is literally the chaff, the detritus, the imperfect material being shaved and carved and chiseled away. And looking at it from the perspective of the stone, of course it hurts. I've got this metal tool that's being hit at with a hammer to knock off these big, nasty chunks of stuff that are me, supposedly. And as each one of those breaks off, is sheared off, is shaved off, is polished off, is, is sanded and polished... Of course it hurts. Because I'm attached to all of that stuff that comes off. Of course it hurts. Removing those imperfections. Likewise, with a sword that's being made. What's the first thing that happens? We take the raw material and we put it in the fire. And it's a very hot fire indeed. Depending on, de depending on the type of steel, it could be as high as 1,900 degrees Fahrenheit. 1,900 degrees Fahrenheit. Can you imagine that heat? And then after that's heated... It's taken out and placed and placed on a metal slab, typically an anvil, and beaten with a hammer. This is a violent process. But that process takes the lump of raw material that we were and forms us into a shape. And once we're close to that shape, then other bits are cut off, then other bits are filed off, and we'll go back into the fire and back out onto the anvil to be beaten, and back into the fire and back out onto the anvil to be beaten. And then taken and put in extreme heat when we're nearing the end. And then dipped 
into extreme cold, to harden us, to temper us, and then filed and ground and sanded and polished and finally sharpened. And all of those, all of those processes are violent processes. All of those are the processes that we must undergo, the processes that we must willingly choose for ourselves to become the sharpened, lethal piece of steel that is a sword. Why does God allow suffering in the world? Those of us who reject that treatment snap. We warp, we bend, we break, we shatter. We become unworkable, we delaminate. And you could say that over the course, we're going to keep the sword analogy right now, over the course of the forging process, the forging process is our life on this earth. And if we get to the point where the blacksmith runs out of patience, we're cast in the heap, eventually to be melted down and destroyed. reduced back to our constituent elements for all of eternity. So the choice becomes, do I willingly allow myself to be to be thrown cast into the fire, beaten with the hammer, repeatedly cast into the fire, beaten with the hammer, cast into the fire, beaten with the hammer? Do I allow myself to be cut and formed and shaped Do I allow myself to be filed and sanded and polished and finally sharpened? Or do I resist? Do I say, no, God, I cannot do this? Do I say, no, God, why would you do this to me? Do I say to my creator, no, I will not allow this? That is the choice that we have to make. Fundamentally, that's the choice that in retrospect... It took me a very long... I mean, it took me the majority of my life to make this choice. The vast majority of my life. I weep for all of those years, for decades, lost when I was sitting there going, no, no, Lord, I want to do this myself. I want this to be my accomplishment. I I want to be the one. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. And what's really funny is it wasted all of that effort, all of that pain, all of that suffering. I could have endured all of that and gained merit. If I'd have just gone the other way, Perhaps, we're going with hypotheticals here, but perhaps I would be far more experienced, far better educated, far more effective as a weapon against the enemies of my God. Perhaps, perhaps not. Looking back now, I can look at it, at all of that trial and tribulation, all of the pain and suffering, all of the ridiculousness that I pursued. And while I don't have the theological education of St. Thomas Aquinas, I do have the practical education to know well enough that if you reject God, if you reject his church, if you reject the teachings, that the church has gone through tremendous trial and tribulation for thousands of years to bring to you today, you risk being cast into the scrap heap. You risk being discarded as so much chaff. You risk being delaminated, which if you've ever seen lamination techniques, particularly with metals, means that you're separated, you're not integrated, you're not solid, you're broken, you're cracked, you're split. You run the risk of being rejected. And he doesn't promise us that he's going to accept us even if we reject him. Quite the contrary. He tells us that even if we say with our preach with our mouths that we accept him, but we behave in a manner that rejects him, he will simply look at us and tell us, point blank, I do not know you. You were never mine. I know my own, and my sheep know my voice. They heed my voice. They do what I tell them. They follow in my footsteps. They carry their cross. Why? Because before they carried their cross, I carried mine. And if they carry their cross, I will see them, in them, me. And I will love them. You reject all that. You reject God, his church. You reject his law. If you reject his law, if you reject him, you reject his law. If you reject his law, you cannot serve him. You cannot claim honestly to serve him. You bear false witness against yourself. If you reject him and his law and his church. But the church, Christ gave the keys to Peter. 
You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You will go out into all nations, teaching them everything that I have taught you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All nations, all tribes, all men. And you will leave it to them to make the choice for themselves. But you must pass down to them the truth that I have taught you. And if at that point they reject you, they reject me. And to continue paraphrasing, and they will not be my people, and I will not be their God. Instead, I will leave them to, the, to their own imaginations, to their foolish imaginations, and I will allow them to, water, to wallow in the sin and decadence, stripping from them all light of their own intellect. Because they have decided that God's law is foolish. God will leave them to their own desires. And what are those desires? Well, the Apostle St. Peter encapsulates it in, the, in, the book of, in his epistle to the Romans. Those desires will be the four sins that cry out to heaven for justice. And you will know by their acts who their God is. And we now know today, even those who claim to be Catholic, who their real gods are. Their gods are Mammon. Their gods are demons. Fornication. Sodomy. Lesbianism. Abortion. We know who those sacrifices go to. They do not go to the one true God. They go to the devil. First and foremost, to his five chief demons. And then secondarily, to the demons of greed, of avarice. To the demons of gluttony. to the demons of rage, of wrath. We know who their gods are. We see, we see the fingerprints of their gods all over them. When a man has decided to live the lifestyle of someone light in the loafers, I can name the very demons he serves. I can name them by name. I know who they are. And you do too. If you don't know, I would highly recommend that you swing on over and catch some of Father Ripperger's talks on YouTube because he names them. When a woman stands up atop the hill and shouts out her, her abortion in celebration, you know the demon whom she serves. You can name that demon. Don't even have to dig very far. The devil's five chief demons are in charge of this are in charge of this country, and when it comes to the sins of the flesh, they're all basically in charge. And everyone who shouts out in arrogant pride that these sins, these unnatural habits, these unnatural obsessions, are the things that they serve. Everyone who shouts out those things shouts out that that's who they serve. One of those five. At least one of those five, if not more. That's the only way you can go with it. 
Because at least, and I'm going to stay fo- kind of hovering around the the, uh, the sins of the flesh and the demon and the demons who have that within their purview. <clears throat> you can see their fingerprints all over it. If you know what you're looking for. In all honesty, you want to know what you're looking for. You simply have to know who they are. You'll see it. It becomes bright. Obvious. Clear. It becomes brilliantly obvious. And at their core, the people who serve those demons, the people who serve the demons of greed and gluttony, as well as the demons of lust, the demons of, the, the demons of sloth, they all simultaneously serve the demons of pride and wrath and envy. And you can see the envy. Why does a person get angry? Because with another, it's usually, most of the time, something having to do with jealousy. They were owed something and they didn't get it and somebody else got it. And so they're angry. They believe they were owed something even though they've done nothing to deserve it. And somebody else got it. And so they're angry. The reason why all of these people don't want to just leave the rest of us alone is because they are jealous of what we have. At their core, they're jealous of what we have. And it's not being jealous, it's not just being jealous of the money or the land or the big family or whatever. They're jealous of the peace and the joy, and the charity, and mercy, the justice, the temperance, the prudence. They're jealous of all of those things because all of those things transcend through our lives. And it's palpable to those who don't have it. Now, there are some who are not afflicted by envy. And those are the ones who look and go, These people over here that call themselves Christians, these people over here who are faithful Catholics, these people over here who are markedly different than all of these politicians, these people over here have something I want. But most importantly, they recognize that we are willing to pass unto them that which we have so that they, too, can enjoy the peace, the joy, the charity, the mercy, the justice that we have. But the ones who are afflicted with envy see the peace, the charity, the love, the justice. And they only seek to devour it and destroy it. They don't want it for themselves and they refuse to allow anybody else to come into the kingdom. That's the mark of the servants of the of the servants of these demons. They see what we have, and they don't want to take it for themselves. They don't want to be given it themselves. They don't want to have it themselves. They just don't want you to have it. These purple-haired feminists who come out talking about the patriarchy, they don't want it necessarily. It doesn't fit them, and they know it. But they want to destroy it so that the patriarchy doesn't show to them everything that is wrong with them. Because the fact is, is that a just man who reflects the face, the image, the likeness of God to the unjust, every gaze from that just man is a a gaze of condemnation. It's a gaze of humiliation. Why can't they just leave us alone? Because your existence proves the existence of God and your and your following the life and the commandments of Christ proves that there is a God, that there is a just judge, and that he is watching. 
And if they reject him, they reject you. But if they're not completely enthralled by the evil one, God will at least give them the grace to be curious. And what they do with that grace is entirely up to them at that point. But if they are truly people of goodwill, who simply don't know, when you talk to them about why you live the way you do, when you talk to them about how you have obtained the peace that you have, that calmness in the storm, securitas in tempestate, rather than turn away, they'll want to know more. Maybe not immediately. God does work in his own time. But they'll want to know more. They'll see you. And they'll say, I want what he has. I want what she has. Because whatever the circumstances that's going on in their lives, they, those who claim and believe and live as Christians, it has brought them a security, a peace, a calmness, a love and a joy that nothing can disturb. And more than anything, men of goodwill don't want to be disturbed. Well, actually, men don't want to be Humans don't want to be disturbed at all. But how they go about achieving the capacity to be undisturbed in the midst of storms and fires and bloodshed and, and war. How they achieve being secure in themselves, secure with their families in the midst of poverty and malnourishment, in the midst of plague and pestilence. When they see how you achieve it, when they see how nothing can attack you and prosper, when they see that you have a code of living given to you by God, and that God bolsters you, reinforces you, serves as your foundation and your shelter, serves as your light and your path, serves as your oracle in the darkness and your mighty champion in battle. The person of goodwill will see that and they'll want it. What you have to be willing to do is understand that in order to know, love, and serve him, you got to be willing to go through anything for him. For women, that means the very painful tragedy of maybe sometimes losing your child to stillbirth or miscarriage. For men, it means being willing to endure calmly and gladly the accusations of being a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, a misogynist, a predator. A man living a chaste life doesn't have to worry about being called predator. It means you'll have to endure the lies and the calumny. You'll have to endure the detraction when you do slip and make a mistake. You'll have to endure the detraction Remember, remember that false witness in the church includes telling the truth about somebody to their destruction. Those people who say, "When it, did I was did I not t point out the thing that I said that was false?" Well, you may have said nothing false, but unless it was for their repentance. unless it was for their for their best good if you said the truth for their destruction you still broke the commandment yeah you told exactly what happened as a fact 
But if it was to their destruction, to the destruction of their reputation and their character, you still broke the commandment. Christ ate with sinners. He ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. He sat with them at meal. He conversed with pagan women, well, Samaritan women. The apostles saw the scandal. It was like, hey, what's going on here? And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees would later use those things as accusations against him. They would use those things that he actually did to impugn his reputation and his character. And you too will have to endure that. Will you necessarily get to the buffets and slaps and strikes and spit? Maybe. Maybe not. Will you be forced? Will you be tied up and scourged? Will they sit you Will they sit you in a chair and wrap a purple cloak around you mockingly and put a and put a crown of thorns on your head and smack you over the head with a reed to make sure that it's comfortably ensconced on into your scalp, into your flesh, driving even into the bones of your skull? Probably not. Will they force you to carry a giant piece of wood, the symbol of your own condemnation as a criminal when you've done nothing wrong? Maybe, maybe not. Will they nail you to the cross? Will they mock you and belittle you? Maybe. Well, definitely the mocking and belittling. But you may not get nailed to the cross, necessarily. You may not follow the path of those French nuns who went to the guillotine singing. You may not follow the path of St. Lawrence who was put on the gridiron, cracking jokes the whole way. As his flesh was burned and he was roasted like a, well, like a hamburger. <laughs> like a rack of ribs. You may not be beaten and decapitated like St. Paul. You may, <laughs> you may not be crucified upside down like St. Peter. You may not be nailed to the cross of St. Andrew. You may not be decapitated like St. Valentine. It may not come to that. You may not be boiled in oil like St. John. Or even cast into exile. But that's the way Christians conduct their most effective spiritual warfare. And that is not to separate it from our long history of actually just conducting warfare. We have Christian martyrs who went to war. Who even went to war for secular causes. We have, we have Christian martyrs. We have martyrs for the, for the faith who went to war with the Roman legions. Alongside the Roman legions going out to conquer. Thousands of them. We had warriors in the Reconquista and the Crusades. We had warriors at the, in, in, in the Vendée in France. We had warriors in Mexico, the Cristeros. We had warriors all around the world who fought and died. We had the soldiers who followed St. John of, of Capistrano. The soldiers and sailors who followed Don Juan of Austria at the Battle of Lepanto. We have the warriors who came down from the mountain with St. With Saint James the Matamoros. Just because we have spiritual war doesn't mean we don't also have physical war. And the knowledge and understanding of these things. And it's not like it just started in the aftermath with Christianity. Gideon, Caleb, Joshua at Jericho. David. 
These are names known for their warfighting capacity. Deborah and Barak. These are names known for their warfighting capacity. Sometimes it comes to bloodshed. Pray God that it does not, but sometimes it does. And being ready for that, being ready and willing to walk the path that God lays out for us, come what may, being ready by prayer, fasting, and penance, being ready by meditating on his word, being ready by studying the lives of the saints and understanding the fullness of what it is that he may ask us to do, that's how you fight this war with the gospel of peace. And that's why the gospel is a sword that rends soul from flesh. And that's why the gospel... And our Lord, because of it, is called the Prince of Peace. <laughs> to reject that is to be his enemy. To reject that is to be a slave of the diabolical, a slave of the demonic, a slave of the degenerate. In irony, some of those sins that cry out to heaven for justice, even the demons won't partake in. They won't be there when you actually commit it. Oh, they'll, they'll cajole you up to it. They'll push you, they'll egg you on, they'll tempt you, they'll compel you, they'll obsess you, they'll do whatever it is that they can to get you to commit that sin. But the moment you commit that sin, they're gone. For those of you who ever wondered, was I born this way? The reason why you're wondering that is because the moment you gave in to that, they couldn't be around. And because they weren't around, you were finally left alone. I would argue that in that moment, neither your guardian angel is present, nor your persecuting demon. If the testimony of St. Catherine of Siena is to be believed, there's no angelic host present in the moment that you commit that sin during the duration during while those sins are being committed. It is quite possible that in that period and during that time alone is the only time that you might ever actually be alone or close enough to it. But God will not be mocked, and God does not make mistakes. God didn't put you in the wrong body. Love like that, infinite charity, infinite mercy, infinite grace, those are not the attributes that make mistakes. But remember this also, to go back to the sword-making and the sculpting analogy. The block of marble that was carved into the Pieta by Michelangelo had no idea whatsoever that it would be formed into one of the most magnificent pieces of art in the history of art. The iron and carbon and raw material that becomes the sword has no concept of what it's being formed into. None. Likewise with us. We can know God, we can love God, we can get close to God, we can follow God, we can serve God. 
but not a one of us knows what it is that God is fashioning us into. Not one. Are we the sculpture? Are we the sword? We can't know, and we'll never know, until he's finished. And on the day of our death, when all is revealed, then we'll know. At that point, we will know what it was all about, why the path that we were taken down was the path that we were taken down. Why the hardships we endured were the hardships we endured. Why we were given blessings. Why those blessings were other, otherwise withheld. Why we interacted with the people that we interacted with. Why we married the woman that we married or the man that we married. All of that becomes clear at the end when the work of art is complete. When the formation process that God has put each and every one of us through is finally finished. When we can say, oh wow, it's finished. Because to be sure, God saying on the cross it is finished is a completely different perspective than, we're, than us on our deathbed going, oh wow, it's finished. Because for those of us who know that we failed, and we failed all the way up to the last minute, those of us who know, we'll know at that end, when we know it's coming to an end, and we're like, uh-oh, it's almost done, and it, <laughs> it's coming crunch time, and it's about to be. Will our last words be, my God, I love you, thank you? Or will our last words be, no, God, please don't? How we live our life will determine that. Whether we chose to serve him in this life will determine that. Because those of us who choose to, to, who choose to serve him that way will, step, will, will get to that last point and go, Oh, wow, it's done. And whether that's a statement of horror or a statement of joy, it's going to be predicated on how well we chose to serve him. How well we chose to conform our lives to his will. Now, I know, in retrospect, at the 58 and one quarter minute mark, that this sounded very much like a theological discussion. Well, theology is outside of my purview. This is a practical lesson. You could call it applied engineering. You can call it the applied sciences of warfare. Because theology is definitely outside my purview. And if there was anything theological about this discussion, if there was anything that was a theological or ecclesiological or any of those high-speed fancy Greek words that mean that a person is very smart, then all of those words came not from me, but came from our Blessed Mother and our Lord. And everything else, the detritus and the trash, yeah, that was me. Huh. I will have an announcement in the next podcast. I've actually got to put together a nice little script. Um, because there was a lady, a wonderful lady, who contacted me on SP3RN and has 100 Holy Face medals. They've already been blessed. She has them. And all you need to do is to send her an email requesting one or two, and the limit is going to be two, but she will send them out free of charge until they're gone. In fact, let me just go ahead and shift because I forgot, I totally forgot while I was talking, I have the ability to hit a pause button, go find the information I'm looking for, and then come back to you. <sighs> really professional, isn't it? Anyway. What she will send is an envelope with a pamphlet 
with a holy face devotion and a medal. Small golden medal imprinted with, with our Lord's holy face on it. You can request one to two medals. They are blessed by a fraternal society of St. Peter Priest. Like I said, she currently has 100 medals. She'll give them away until they run out and the first come is first served. You can ask for, again, one or two medals. She's not asking for any money. She's only asking for prayer, for prayerful consideration. She's doing this as a, as a work of love. You can email her at michellemg, that's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, M as in Mike, golf, michellemg, at fide.email. The Holy Face Devotion is one of my favorites. It's up there with the devotion to the precious blood. It's up there with the devotion to the Holy Cross. It's up there with the devotion to the Blessed Mind. I mean, like I've, there's a bunch of devotions that I that are pretty much at the pinnacle of my faith life. The Holy Face Medal is up there. It is the greatest weapon against communism. It is the greatest weapon to defend your family. It is the greatest weapon. <laughs> To offer our Lord, our God, the holy face of his Son. So that his face becomes our face when that time comes. <clears throat> like I said, you can you can email her, Michelle M G, all one word, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-M-G, at fide.email. Request one to two medals and keep her in your prayers. That's the whole toll. I would imagine if you offered something to her to, you know, to help compensate or help her prop propagate it, I'd imagine she wouldn't decline. But Michelle, thank you very much for the opportunity for me to be able to help spread this devotion to our Lord's holy face. To all of you, this is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.